On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Joe Dennison of Kansas. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this special episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we welcome new Kansas violinist Joe Dennison. Joe, we've never, we haven't. This is the first time we've had you here on Progressive Palaver, and um, I feel a, a little bit remiss in in that. Um, especially, you know, it, it. This seems. Let's put it this way: it seems like this is the perfect time to have you on Progressive Palaver for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now here in the summer of 2023 is we're trying to put together a series of of episodes specifically around Prague Stock 2023, um, just to make sure that people understand and, and we get the word out. And, and there's a certain amount of excitement here for that. And so, you know, our understanding is you're attached to uh, the Dave Kersner band at this point. Dave Kersner, really good friend of the Palaver, very, very interested in that. Additionally, we have been sort of threatening our audience for, I don't even know how long it is now, um, through various hiatuses and delays, it's probably 12 to 15 months, but we are on the verge of, of actually starting a, a segment um, on Kansas. And lo and behold, <laughs> Joe, back in May, you joined Kansas. Coincidence. <laughs> so, you know, all of this kind of, you know, just rolls together um, in, in, a, in a fantastic, um, you know, platter if you will and then of course once you start talking uh joe dennison you have to you have to dive into stratospherius and I'll, I'll be honest i was not ready for how fantastic that experience was i was cooking breakfast one day and i'm like oh i'm gonna check this out and by the time i was done i was like yeah this is great <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so that sort of sets the stage, I think, for um, you know some of the things that we might be um, interested in talking about. But you know, I do want to just run down quickly maybe some of your your resume because it, it's really quite remarkable, even beyond what we've already talked about. And and I, I'll, I shamelessly pulled this right from your your website, Joe. So besides being referred to as the Jimi Hendrix of the violin, which I absolutely love, you are listed as recording or performing with the following artists. And this is just a mind-blowing list. We've got The Who, Bruce Springsteen, 50 Cent, Sheryl Crow, Richie Blackmore, um, Alex Skolnick, Smokey Robinson, Les Paul, Peter Chris of Kiss, um, Michael Sadler, Renaissance with Annie Haslam, um, Kurt Elling, and of course the aforementioned Dave Kersner. That's a monumental list. So I guess all of that is a very long-winded way to say, Joe, we're really honored to have you on the show. <laughs> I'm ready to jump, jump right in, Joe. My, for, so first of all, how does it feel to be referred to as the Jimi Hendrix of the violin? Who called you that? And have you ever ignited your violin on stage? Um, <laughs> It's a little ridiculous, <laughs> and I honestly don't remember who who started that. Maybe it was some janitor in in college that heard me play or something. I I don't know. Um, somehow it stuck. It's really weird. But I, you know, I, I'm very maybe because I'm very influenced by guitar players, especially Hendrix, and I kind of sound like a guitar player. I think like a guitar player when I play the violin. I phrase like a guitar player. And, you know, he was one of my biggest influences. I can't afford to set my violin on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the, the, the Viper I play, because it's very hard to replace those these days. Mm, indeed. Um, but, you know, someday, that's my aspiration. And I tried playing with my teeth, but those strings are... They, that's, oh. 
So I settle for my nose sometimes, you know. In that really? Way. Awesome. Wow. So that's an, that kind of leads into an interesting thing, and and I don't, you know, whatever. So you 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 say you you approach the violin like a guitarist, you phrase like a guitarist. How does that? Like, do you have to adapt your style then to join a band like Kansas, which has a a pretty established sort of method of or style of it of its own as a band, or is there enough room at this point for you to to do your thing and still you know translate that music? Well, well, as soon as I got the call, my first thought was I have to really play differently than I would with a project like Stratospherius, I have to honor 50 years of legacy of, of, of a very definitive sound that Kansas has. I'm not going to step all over and disrespect that. Um, so, you know, when I play with Kansas, I play mostly with a clean sound, but I still incorporate some denizenisms. <laughs> That's a word. Um, you know, I, I still play, you know, hit the distortion pedal once in a while. I incorporate some subtle effects and some things. And, you know, the way I play is the way I play, so I'm not going to sound totally classical. Um, I'm not going to sound exactly like Robbie Steingart and, and David Roxdale. I'm going to sound like me. Right. But, um, yeah, there's some adaptation involved. But, you know, I also get to play guitar on a good chunk of the set. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, that's my, one of my uh, instruments I, I, I double. So um, I get to scratch that itch, which is fun. I, I haven't played guitar on gigs because people don't really don't know that I play guitar you know I've been playing guitar since I was 15 so um yeah I mean when I play with Stratospherius I use every everything but the kitchen sink like every bell and whistle you know every pedal I like to explore different uh sounds and um see what I can squeeze out of my fiddle that that you know hasn't been tried before um that's it's just what what I'm into I'm always into exploring that and uh, I think from pl playing the guitar, I fell in love with distortion pedals and wah pedals and whammy pedals and, and also just the blues phrasing and, you know, the false harmonics and, the, you know, all the kind of things that Eddie Van Halen and Steve Vai would go for. I try to go for that on the violin because I grew up listening to those guys and they probably influenced me as much or more than Itzhak Perlman and Yasha Heifetz. Joe, jo, we're, we're, we're contemporaries of sorts. We were all born in the early 70s. So was your first distortion pedal the Boss DS1? It was the Boss Metal Zone. Oh, oh. even better. <laughs> oh. Everyone knows the Boss Metal Zone. <laughs> Paul, didn't you have something similar? You, Paul, I you had, had the, the one where you could step had, on it and, and sus yeah. the sustainer. Yeah, it was the super feedback distortion pedal or something. Super distortion feedbacker. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it would hold a note out. And, yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Metal Zone, that's great. So... So, Jai, I wanted to ask you this question because we are contemporaries, um, born and you know, born in the early '70s. You were born in Saint Petersburg, Russia, and if you're, you know, four dudes in the early '70s, you know, growing up, that that seems like a, a beautiful, but not not terrific place or scary place for us here in America. And then if you're a uh, if you're also in the late 70s, early 80s, growing up in the Philadelphia area, and you may be influenced by Philadelphia sports, um, Cleveland isn't that much better, honestly, from, from our perspective, So, which I think is where you actually grew up. So can you tell us a little bit about that history and how that contributed to your entree into music and, and, and doing the things that you did? You're talking about growing up in Cleveland or... or being Cleveland born sports. in St. Petersburg yeah. and somehow you ended up in Cleveland and, you know. Neither one well, of those is Philadelphia. Up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're trying well, to broaden our horizons here and understand. Philadelphia had, you know, in the last 60 years, a lot more championships than, than Cleveland teams, you know. Um, so, yeah, the, how I ended up in Cleveland, my dad is a hero. He um, auditioned. When we, when we emigrated, my dad's a violinist, for those who don't know, classical violinist, and a very good one, taught me a lot of things. And when we emigrated, uh, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment uh, in Queens, in, a, in um, Far Rockaway. My dad, uh, my two uncles, my mom who was pregnant, my grandmother, seven of us, um, in a one-bedroom. My uncle was a viola player practicing for auditions to get an orchestra job, and my dad's a violinist. 
practicing. One would be in the bedroom, one would be in the kitchen, just practicing like mad because they needed to get work to support their families. So it was a very dire situation. And uh, my dad auditioned for Baltimore, uh, didn't get it, auditioned for New Orleans and got it, and auditioned for Cleveland, which is a very prestigious orchestra, and won that job. So we ended up settling in Cleveland. Cleveland was a great place to grow up. It's the butt of many jokes, unfortunately, but uh, I'm very proud of being from Cleveland. Uh, it's a great, culturally, there's so, it's such a rich city for, for a city of its size. There's so much going on. A lot of great artists have toured through there, and I've seen a lot of, grew up watching a lot of great concerts, and it's a very comfortable place to, to live and grow up. That's awesome. And of course, I grew up to a lot of Cleveland Orchestra concerts, and hearing my dad play. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. So music is in the genes then for you. Is that, that, was it just natural for you to progress that way? Um, very much so, but I think when I, when I was a six-year-old starting kindergarten, I barely spoke English and I felt like an outsider. And all I knew was classical music. You know, I was kind of considered a nerd in school. And I think when I discovered rock and roll and, and later jazz and pop culture, it, it, part of it was me wanting to connect with people and just be accepted and respected but also I, I just really loved the music and i wanted to do something different than my parents did and kind of be my own march to my own drummer awesome can you share your hard rock journey like 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 what did you discover first and what drew you in what what bands were you using vinyl records or cassette medium like what was your I think the earliest thing, and mind you, you know, all this time I was studying classical violin and piano for my mother and going to Cleveland Institute of Music and joining youth orchestra and doing all the things a violinist would do, in, you know, to develop as a violinist. Um, but when I was around seven or eight, I think I, I started watching MTV, and this was the early 80s. Some of the bands that I remember seeing for the first time were... You know, Van Halen, I remember seeing Jump in Panama, my first Van awesome. Halen videos, and loving Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing. I saw, you know, Yes, Owner of Lonely Heart, um, you know, a lot of the hard rock bands like Def Leppard and, and uh, you know, later Metallica. Uh, I was really into metal for a while. Um, and of course, you know, Michael Jackson and Billy Joel, all the stuff that was hip in the 80s, you know, I just fell in love with all that music. And, and my parents were just not, you know, especially my dad was so in a different planet from, from that. Mm -hmm. you know? And I was always a ham. I always loved to, you know, pretend, stand in front of a mirror and, you know, pretend I was a singer in a rock and roll band and make faces and, you know. Um, and I just thought it was a very cathartic experience and I didn't get that as much from classical music. Although in later years, I, I grew to appreciate classical music on a deeper level. But I think that was the impetus, discovering all that stuff. and later in junior high getting into Rush and, and King's X and Led Zeppelin and, and Kiss and Aerosmith and ACDC and then Zappa and Jean-Luc Ponty. I, I can go on and on and on. Yeah. You know, extreme, Joe, I, I think you may, you, you may be the first guest ever that's ever openly said King's X without any kind of prompting from us. Exactly. We so. respect that a lot. I, I fly the flag, man. They're, they're one of my favorite bands, one of the uh, most underrated bands in the universe. Yeah, I got to be on an album with Doug Pinnock a bunch of years ago. Which oh, yeah? Wild. Tell us about that story. We, we didn't record together. It was Rand, my friend Randy McStein's, uh, one of his early records. Randy nice. is a guitarist for Porcupine Tree. And yep. He had subbed with us on, about, on every instrument except violin at one point or another. Um, and he was friends with Doug, and I think we played on one of his tracks together. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. How do we not know about this kind of stuff? You know, I, I, I did. I did. Did you? <laughs> Ken, you've been holding out on us. Well, well, let me give my uh, lead up to this. Um, uh, Joe, it was just absolutely empowering to see Stratospherius at Prague Stock 2019. And you managed to play two consecutive years. Uh, I, I experienced Prague Stock 2020 virtually. Uh, but you were there. You, you brought the guys back around and you did yet another performance. So um, you are a pivotal member of this Prague stock scene, not only with Stratospherius, but uh, just contributing to other acts. Uh, you've played with uh, 
you know, your former bandmate, Alex Skolnick and Rachel Flowers, uh, you know, on occasion, you bring them back up on stage uh, when you can. So you, you are um, a stellar member of the community. <laughs> it, 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 actually, it's funny how it happened. I, we played Prox Talk four years in a row. Uh, we played in, in 2018, the after party. It was like three in the morning. Right? Wow. Which was a lot of fun. That's where we met Michael Sadler, and he really liked the band and had a lot of good things to say. And we became friends and stayed in touch. Then we, we, had, we played the main stage in 2019. 2020, they did a virtual uh, version of it. And then in 21, it was a last-minute thing. Um, John Goodsell fell ill, and they asked us to fill in for him on Saturday night in the main stage. And we originally had... The way this live album came together, uh, we had the full 2019 performance. We were going to mix and master and edit, and that was ready to go. And then all of a sudden, we had all this great footage from 2021. So that postponed the project. We decided, let's do one disc from you know, highlights of the 2019 performance and another with highlights from the 2021 performance. And what made that special was before us, Rachel Flowers played, and after us, Alex Skolnick played with Percy Jones. And I have a history with both of those people. So, you know, totally spontaneous. We're like, let's do a song together. No rehearsal. What do you guys know? Let's, you know Spain? Okay, cool. Alex, meet Rachel. Get on stage. And, and it just kind of happened. You know? Really? And that's what... I, I, that's, yeah. <laughs> I love that recording. That's a fantastic recording. I, I was able to catch Kansas on the 9th of June at the uh, Keswick Theater. And uh, I just... You know, I went by myself and ha had a, a ticket, and it turned out during the whole show, I was sitting next to your former boss, Annie Haslam, and uh, I didn't know that until the end. I was just, because, you know, we go to these shows, and you recognize, like, a, a quarter of the crowd, or maybe right now you recognize half of the crowd, because, you know, the Proggers are so wonderful. I love the, the Prog community, and it's just such a great group of people. And, and, and I'm like, I think I recognize the lady next to me. I'm not really sure. And, and, and mutual friend of the Palaver, John Retweger, also was in Annie's band. Uh, he's from, you know, Total Mass Retain. And then uh, I, I, I left the, the theater and checked on social media a few hours later, and you and Tom Brislin had, had posed with Annie. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> I, I, miss, I missed my chance to hang out with Annie. <laughs> she lives not, it's not far from there. Um, and we were, she joked that we should start a band called Kansasans. Kansasans. <laughs> <laughs> Two former Renaissance members, well, myself and Tom, while working with Kansasans. That, that, that whole crowd, I heard shouts for you and Tom uh, a little bit more than I heard, you know, shouts for uh, Ronnie Platt and whatnot. But, uh, you know, that's, that, that, that's what you get when you're in the local area. Keswick was one of our favorite places to play just the, the energy of the crowd was particularly uh, wild and you know very excited and you know you just feel dif the difference in certain venues um and we played two nights there which was great um i, I can only compare milwaukee was was another one where the crowd was just nuts just so rabid and so happy and just giving us so much love and energy yeah, that's awesome. I noticed you had like four days off in between Milwaukee and then uh, Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, how does that work for you when you get days off on the road? Um, it, I joke that I'm a dad uh, Sunday through Thursday and a rock star Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> it's, it's like a Clark Kent kind of thing. Um, no, but, but the way they tour is great because they do flyouts. They don't go on a tour bus. Everyone's always asking, are you on a tour bus? Are you on a tour bus? No. You know, tomorrow I'm flying to Kansas City and we're driving to St. Louis, um, playing there on Saturday, flying home on Sunday. And that's pretty much how it goes. So you always get three or four days off. That's pretty rock starish. Do you feel, do you feel like a rock star when, when the, you know, you're cruising through the airports like that? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> weird like going to home life and then to kansas land uh it's like two you, you straddle two universes back and forth back and forth and it's it's kind of a can, can i say can, can i swear on this show you absolutely sure it's a mind fuck it's kind of a mind <laughs> fuck. 
Um, so, yeah, yeah, and I have my family, family, and Kansas is like a family. But everybody in that organization is very tight knit. That's that's pretty cool. So, Joe, your family, um, you have kids. How many kids? How old? I have two kids, uh, Max and Ariana. Max is 14, Ariana is 10. Nice. All right. Are they also aspiring musicians, or have you encouraged them to do something else? Um, I encourage them to do what they are passionate about. Uh, our, my son is a really advanced uh, pianist, but he wants to go into finance. Maybe it's his way of rebelling against his parents. <laughs> you, you know, it's, I have another friend who's a great musician. His son became an accountant. It goes in cycles. <laughs> Um, but Ariana is into singing and songwriting, and she plays violin, piano, and does school rock and sings. So she might choose to have a career in music. We'll see. You know, we're not like forcing them. It's a hard yeah. road. So we're like, you really, really got to want to do it. You know? I was going to ask one thing. I'm going to change gears though. You mentioned this. You know, going into Kansas, you you know, you're honoring decades worth of music, right? You know, and. <laughs> You know, you're, as Joe mentioned at the beginning, um, you, you know, are called upon by many musicians to do many, many different things. So what is that experience like for you? Like, like Kansas going in, honoring this, like, you know, trying to find places for yourself. Like, how do, how do you put yourself into that while honoring it? And then also question two is, you know, when you're being called in to, to work with other musicians, are they are do you know what they want when when you walk in there like are you like i'm just gonna do my 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 joe Den denizen thing and light my uh my fiddle on fire for them or is it like are do you go in and they kind of put you in this you know box and say this is you know exactly what we want is that a is that a clear question or am i just rambling joe the way i look at being a musician uh, is and i've never had acting classes i'm not an actor but i see it like being an actor if I walk into um, a Latin jazz recording session, I'm not going to set my violin on fire and play with my tongue and all that stuff. I'm going to get into that headspace and try to honor that music and play with that musical dialect. You know, if I'm playing in an orchestra, I'm going to play with classical vibrato and try to be authentic to whatever the style is. So I like kind of being a chameleon. I mean, I have my passion, which is prog, jazz, fusion, you know, but then if someone hires me to play for their project, I try to really understand what they want and honor their project, as I would want them to do for me. You know? And it's kind of fun to slip into another skin. Nice. Having, having nice. joined Kansas with all of the, you know, aforementioned history and lore, how has your reception been? Have you been warmly received as, as a, you know, an appropriate successor? My guess is yes, but... Uh, that was my biggest, uh, the, the thing I was probably the most nervous about was how would fans receive me? Would they throw tomatoes at me at the shows? And, you know, who is this imposter? You know? um, but everybody, 99.9% .9 of the people have been super nice, super warm and welcoming. The Wheatheads have been just the coolest fans. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so relieved and grateful. And, you know, I'm just trying to honor the music and honor, you know, Robbie and, and David, who I respect immensely, um, and you know, bring my own uh, flavor into it as well. Um, but yeah, everybody has been tremendously nice. Cool, that's great. So, so one of the just weird obsessions that I've developed over the years is um, guitar types. So, when you get to break out the guitar for Kansas, what do you play on stage, Joe? What instrument? Which yeah, which which cut which type of guitar do you play? I've always loved strats, and I always wanted like a good Fender strat. So I, for this gig, I bought a new American strat. Nice. Wow. Nice. Love there it. There you go. Sounds great. I have like some kind of heavy 11-gauge strings. I play a lot of rhythm guitar, so it's chunky and it's good. I have like one guitar. So, um, so it's that, and I love it. I, I keep it simple, you know. That's great. And what's so, your distortion pedal of choice these days? Well, um, when I, it's, it varies. My rig at home, when I play with Stratospherius, I have a Tech 21 Blonde. It's like a Fender Twin Modeler. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan. Um, but I just bought, I got a Line 6 uh, HX and HS Effects um, on stage for Kansas. 
and I used their distortion and we had it dialed in just right. Uh, we had some good amp simulators on there. Sweet. And that's what, what's been working. I, I, played, I kept it very simple for Kansas. I didn't have a million pedals because I knew I wouldn't use them and I didn't even want to have the temptation. No. <laughs> so um, for violin, I use you know a bigger HX effects with some uh, chorus and phaser and distortion and delay and a wah pedal and a few different things. Um, for guitar, it's really just dirty and clean. There's not a lot going on with guitar as far as effects for, for those songs. You know. What's been your favorite moment of the Kansas show so far? In the second half, um, Song for America is probably my favorite song to play. Oh, wonderful. It's, it's Song for the Violin. It's just violin solo after violin solo. So I get to shine, and, and the parts are so cool. I love singing it. I love playing it. Just, it's my, probably my favorite Kansas song. Um, can I Tell You is a fun jam down the road. Oh, yeah. Can I Tell You? That is harder than it seems. It's 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 not really necessarily parallel. Like each instrument's kind of doing its own little variations on the themes. It's, it's that was the first song that got Kansas signed, right? Can I tell you? Yeah, yeah. They they always announce uh, Billy always announces it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the diehard fans, you know, really like that song and Song for America and uh, Miracles Out of Nowhere is a fun one. Um, Down the Road is is a rip roar and blues jam. It's like when they started out, they had more kind of jam bandy qualities in their music. Yeah, the early stuff. Um, but everything there's nothing in, in that whole night that I that I'm bored that I'm like, oh, let's get this song over with. You know, it's always fun and exciting and fresh. You know? The music is so well written and so well thought through that it it, it hasn't gotten old. I don't think it ever will. Did at any point did you have to get Tom Brislin on the phone and ask him, "Hey man, what chord is this? What's what's going on here?" Like, like you know, did did he coach you through some of that crazy cram learning process? Well, well, Tom is the musical director, so that's his job. He was really on my case about every little detail. He's very meticulous. Awesome. Uh, they're they're lucky to have him. He's just the, the amount of stuff he does for for Kansas is people don't even know. Um, so he was the, the, initially the person that called me and then he arranged to give me ISO tracks and yeah. for all the live recordings so I can transcribe and study what, what was played. And then I had questions and then there were some changes, you know, there were some songs that were played on violin that now they now want to play it on guitar. Some songs they wanted to do a mashup and, of something else. And, you know, we were, there was a lot of communication between Tom and myself for like three months. And then we got together and played through the whole set list beautiful so yeah tom is amazing um so so y your voice uh has just a fantastic quality and range you, you you even said at one point in your literature for uh frame by frame that you had a similar range to adrian Ballou. um so, so that's 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 a gift right there um i i guess tom knew right off the bat that you'd do a considerable amount of singing once you got into kansas well, we were in the in the prog world for eight years. I think I've met Tom in 2015 or 2016. And he has heard my band play. He heard Stratospherius at New Jersey Prog House. And I've seen him play with uh, his band and with Sea Within and all these different projects. So he knew what I could do. He knew my voice. And um, yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, looking back, it's just being present, going to shows, booking shows, playing out as much as possible, putting out music, you know, so, you know, to the world um, with no intention other, other than to just share your music with people and hope they, they dig it and, and support it, you know, and it all kind of came full circle. That's nice. pretty awesome. Joe, one of the things, to, um, you know, speaking of like just switching gears to Stratospherius, um, one of the things we talk about here a lot in the progressive rock world is progressive rock bands always seem to have a a um, a rotating roster of folks, right? And you know, looking at Stratospherius, I, mean, I think you know, I, Alex, you and Alex started started that band. If I have my if I have my uh, lore correct, based on what I I think I read, but it has been there has been a long list of folks that have played in stratosphere so can you touch upon like a little bit of the of you know the beginnings of the band 
and how it's evolved and and what's what's made those changes it's it's really hard to to band together unless there's millions and millions of dollars involved and even then it's hard to keep a band together because people have their own interests and their own lives and their own journeys and projects they want to take and then whenever you have talented people they're all they're going to be on high demand you're going to be competing with other uh band leaders for their time and talent so that's just a fact of life you know um the way the band started i when i moved to new york in 1997 um yes i'm old um I moved to New York to do my master's ah. degree in jazz. You're the, you're the youngest one here, dude. So <laughs> don't worry. I'm also the youngest one in Kansas. I don't know what that says, but. <laughs> so, yeah, I moved to New York in 97 to do my master's in Manhattan School of Music, and I had made a CD with local Cleveland musicians. It was like an instrumental fusion CD under my name. And it, I came to New York and I was going to different venues. I just wanted to play out. I wanted to play that music live and find a band and put it together. Um, so I started at my school and I met a lot of music at MSM, but they were a little too, you know, kind of wimpy, jazzy, very into bebop, didn't really want to play more fusion-oriented stuff. I needed guys with a more heavier sensibility. And one of the gigs I did, I was hungry. I was just taking every gig to pay the rent. One of the gigs was teaching at a new school extended studies program at night. I was teaching violin to adults um, improvisation and I saw a poster for a student Miles Davis ensemble with Alex Skolnick's name on it. Uh, now having grown up playing guitar and subscribing to Guitar World magazine, Alex was a celebrity in that world. He was a guitar hero. And I was like, is that the same Alex Skolnick? Nah, it can't be. So out of curiosity, I went to the recital. It was Adam Holtzman's ensemble actually. Really? Uh, That's yeah. awesome. Adam was one of Alex's professors. And who he later ended up with, and I introduced. And it was Alex. I introduced myself, and he. I'm like, "What are you doing here, man?" He's like, "Well, you know, I was really. I got really into jazz. I just walked away from the metal scene. I just kind of got burned out, and I never went to college. I joined Testament right out of high school. And by the way, his parents are both college professors from Berkeley. They're academics. He comes from an academic family, I, you know, which is wow, interesting. Wow. His dad's a very famous law professor." So um, he went to school to get his bachelor's in jazz guitar, studied with Vic Juris and did ensembles and just went to school. And it was kind of a transitional period of his life. So we became friends. Um, I gathered the nerve to ask him to play one of, one of my gigs. I'm like, he's not going to want to play with me. And sure enough, he was like, yeah, sure, I'm down. Let's do it. So he was Sweet. in my band. We played for a while. He recorded um, on two albums. And then, you know, he finished school and just got sucked into you know, his world, like he, he joined a Trans-Siberian Orchestra and had his trio, got very busy, and then we joined Testament eventually, and, you know, we stayed in touch over the years, um, but ob obviously he couldn't keep working with Stratospherius, so I, I had to find uh, new players, and the band just kind of morphed. I started writing more vocal music, because I, like, um, I like vocals, I like to sing, I like, you know, power pop and prog. Yeah. Um, so I kind of merged those two worlds um, and tried to figure out what it was, what the sound was supposed to be. It took me years to really kind of define the sound of that band. And it went through eras uh, of certain lineups that lasted a few years and then dissolved. And, you know, every, every time something ends, you think, oh, it's going to suck now. And it just keeps getting better because you find new people that breathe new life into the music. And, you know, it's always more exciting each time, you know, so... Um, I had uh, well, I can I don't want to take up too much time talking about the different lineups of the band, but I've had a succession of really great guitar players. For example, um, Jake Ezra was played after Alex Skolnick. He was on our first live album. A uh, huge Broadway guitar player, um, very versatile musician. Uh, then we had Mac Price from Texas. Um, he brought more of a Texas bluesy flavor to the music. Um, then we had Aurelian Boot Bootyneck. Um, French guitarist. He played on the last uh, the last two studio albums, um, and now we have Michelangelo Corinali, who uh, indeed, who's excellent, who's really really amazing, and and, uh, and he sings. He sings backup vocals. Yeah, yeah. And so the current lineup is Michelangelo Corinali on guitar, Jason Giuliani on drums, um, and uh, Paul Ranieri on the bass, and they've all had. Uh, very impressive resumes you know um jason uh has toured with neil morse actually 
Okay. Uh, Jason won a contest to sub for Mike Portnoy in the Neil Morse band. Oh my God. <laughs> the Neil Morse band. Uh, That's he, amazing. He out a bunch of drummers. And also, fun fact, he's the drummer on the SpongeBob theme. Get really? out of town. What? <laughs> my kids would love that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's him on that recording. So, um, and, uh, and Paul has played with Circuline and uh, currently plays with Riot Act and um, Mark Wood, the Mark Wood Band. Uh, so, I, you know, they've all had amazing credits and they're just great players and great guys. And we also have a studio album that we're finishing that'll be out next year. So, cool. Yeah. Definitely that's look forward fantastic. to that. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to hear that. Okay. Um, the Who, Bruce Springsteen, 50 Cent, Sheryl Crow. Tell us about those experiences. So, you know, being a freelance, I've, I was just a freelance violinist in New York for the last 20 gazillion years. And when you do that, you end up, you never know what's around the corner. You get these calls for these amazing gigs and it's always a different context sometimes you're part of a string section sometimes it's a one-on-one collaboration or, or a string quartet so every one of those names that you mentioned was a different kind of situation and they all have a story to them and uh all are you know very when you look back you're like wow i've done i did all that stuff that's crazy <laughs> you know it, uh, it is it is oh go ahead sorry no no that's that's all i was gonna say I, all right so everyone's a different story um is there any one that you're like, ah, oh, you know, like, like, was it, you know, any, anyone rub you the wrong way? Anyone to like go out of their way to make you like happy? Or was it where sometimes you were just the hired gun, you're there doing your job and thanks? I, I was the hired gun. Um, I, there was, I'll, I'll give you a few highlights. Uh, Richie cool. Blackmore was very interesting. I don't know who recommended me, but it was uh, his, his group Blackmore's Night. Oh yeah. He drove out to his house in Long Island. He lives uh, near the Long Island Sound, near the ferry to Connecticut. And he answered the door, and it was uh, Pat Riley was recording an album, engineering his album in his home studio in his basement. I went into his basement, and there was all these gold records everywhere from Rainbow and Deep Purple. And uh, I laid down a bunch of violin tracks. Uh, it was his group is more like Renaissance music mixed with rock and with a little bit of uh, folk music. You know? What Was his house normal or was it like I imagine it's like a dark castle and you know he shows up wearing dark robe or something like that. that- well, he, he lives in a cul-de-sac and it's a huge <laughs> house. Uh, but you go in the basement there's coats of there's suits of armor you know nice. he collects artifacts from the Renaissance and from medieval England you know um, and he lists, he's totally into Renaissance music and medieval music. Yeah. When I went to a Christmas party at his house, and he never came upstairs. He was tending a bar downstairs. Wow. He's a very—he's not good with crowds. He's a very shy person. <clears throat> uh, he was listening to some German uh, Renaissance band that he dug in tending bar, and, uh, and he's really into ghosts. He's constantly talking about seances, and you know, uh-huh. that was the other thing. But that—that that was a trippy experience working with him. Um, and we were going to tour, but they ended up—they wanted someone who played different flutes, and I don't play recorder i had to learn recorder and they they needed like a first the, the previous violinist was he played all these different recorders and flutes and that wasn't my thing um were so, you were you learning recorder like on the fly right there on the fly and and he was kind of frustrated that i wasn't picking it up as fast and recorder is a lot harder than than you think it it is when you learn it in third grade yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more to it I, as i found out you know I was a woodwind guy. I was always a string guy. You know. um, so that and a quick little funny story. A year, or a bunch of years later, I was with my wife at a spa. It was like our anniversary, and we were wrapped in doing a mud wrap couples thing. And they lowered the lights and play, turned on mellow music and left us there for a while. And the song, one of the songs I recorded with Richie, came on. Oh wow! Wow. I'm like trying to relax, but I'm like listening to my soul. I'm like, oh, why did I choose that line? Why did I, <laughs> I just couldn't relax? It was very random. You know. Oh, that's wonderful. Nice. And, and now with all of that, how did you end up with that crazy guy from uh, Miami, Florida, Dave Kersner? So I, I, was, I bought the Sound of Contact album, I think when my friend Randy McStein uh, toured with them, I went to see that show and it wasn't well attended but i loved the music 
Sweet. Um, they played in some club in Chinatown, and, and then I bought the, I downloaded the album and fell in love with it. I'm like, this is so good. The writing's incredible. The production's great. Sorry, let me jiggle Let me fix my mic. It's a weird connection. So um, then I, I found out that Dave was responsible. He wrote a lot of that music and, and produced it. And I, and I, you know, friended him on Facebook and saw all his posts. I'm like, this guy is very proactive and uh, it's an interesting guy. And I finally met him at one of the festivals, you know. And um, I think one thing led to another and he heard me play. And, and then he invited me to join his band at Cruise to the Edge in 2019. And he, he always is able to um, get this beautiful circle of very high-profile musicians on all his projects, which I admire, you know. Indeed. Uh, so through him, I, I got to share a stage with Steve Hackett, with uh, John Davidson from Yes, and uh, Billy Sherwood, and Nick DiVirgilio, and the Broom Sisters, and Fernando Perdomo, who I, I got to record with as well. And he just has this great circle of, of people that you want to play music with Mark absolutely sweet and I, you know that's great I like his writing and he's just cool so Cruise to the Edge is one of the greatest experiences of my life and then I got to do it again in uh, last year actually with, with Dave's band and tonight I got to track songs for his new album he wants some strings on uh, uh oh we're keeping you we from, from recording Dave's <laughs> album uh oh we're in trouble so um, I told him you know you can catch me when I'm home between Kansas dates and I'll try to do what I can but um, I'm playing. I'm playing with him on October seventh at Rockstop, and um, right. also on October fifth. I think they're doing like a show thing. Exactly. And uh, yeah. he's also he, we did like a barter because I did strings on his last album, and then he mastered my live record and did a surround sound mix. That came up during the interview. So when we when we interviewed him a week ago, and it came up that 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 you craft these multi-layer uh, string tracks for him. Uh, so that's got to be a lot of fun. I mean. Uh, when someone brings you a canvas and you just get to to paint you know all the harmonies that's fantastic that's something i've been doing for many years i i have like a chinchello and a viola and you know different violins so i make it sound like different instruments and i uh, a lot of bands and, and different artists have asked me to do that and it's one of one of my studio things that i love to do cool a lot of people want the That's big a, string sound, but don't have the budget for a big string section. Yeah, we're really, uh, I, I think the plan is for all three of us to be in attendance on Saturday, um, that Saturday performance at Prague Stock. Is that correct, guys? Yes, indeed. That so, is the plan. Maybe even Thursday. May, maybe it's even special, Thursday. Yeah, yeah probably event. Thursday. Yep, yep, yep. That, I'm, Tom and Ann are, are two of my dearest friends, and I, I just love and support what they're doing and it's such a beautiful festival great community people so if you're listening come to Prague stock that's the whole idea <laughs> absolutely <That's it. laughs> well, we, we, we kind of uh rebirthed our our podcast after attending yes 50. um obviously uh tom and ann were there somewhat as vendors and tom brisland did a solo set and we met Total Mass Retain uh, shortly thereafter, based on their performance there. So you could say that uh, uh, you know we we started with one goal in mind, and we kind of changed gears and 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 tried to improve our game, try to improve our lore, and try to improve our live concert presence as a result of Yes Fifty. Awesome, that's that's great. I wish more people would would do that because. You know, we need people to come out and hear this music. Yeah. Joe, as one of the younger statesmen in the Prague world, um, you, I mean, I don't even know, do you even have time to listen to things with your busy schedule and your, your performance and recording? Um, and if you are, like, what's on your radar um, these days as far as new new Prague? I, I, I'm, you know, the thing with me, I don't have a lot of time to listen to a lot of music. And I kind of, I'm a creature of habit. I get into something. I like to kind of let it marinate in my brain, listen to it a bunch. Uh, but, you know, people send me music and I try to listen to it as much as I can. Um, like brand spanking new stuff, I don't know. Uh, I'm a big, I'll play some younger prog bands I like. Cool. Uh, District 97, huge fan. Yeah. Did some shows with them. Um, 
uh, Thank You Scientist. Uh, I played on mm. last album, and Ben Karras, the violinist, is a great friend of mine. Um, Randy McStein and Minimum. Oh, yeah. Minimum. Yeah. yeah. Especially their second album is just, I, that was, I was listening to that nonstop. Um, cool. Ad Astra is a great band. Uh, we've Go be there. Tons of shows with those guys. They're good friends of ours, and they're going to be at Rockstock. So check them out. Um, Circuit Line is a band. I, I just recorded a, a track for them. Andrew. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So those are a few that come to mind, but there's many more. I just have to think of them. But. Nice. It's funny. A lot of bands I, I'm a fanboy of are just, at this point, they're not famous or rich. They're just regular schmoes. You know, made jobs to support their music habit. Just working, working dudes. I think uh, Stratospherius. I'm sorry that I keep butchering the name of your band. Um, yeah, Stratospherius <laughs> and King's X Double Bill would be uh, a That'd pretty smoking night. <laughs> be a dream come true. I would love to open for King's X. <laughs> we we almost did we, uh, last time, and it didn't work out for various reasons. But yeah, last tour they had. So we're gonna keep trying. Cool. Ken and I are heading up to. Um, to Red Bank in a couple of weeks to, to see their show there. Um, I, I, I imagine you'll be on a plane to your next Kansas gig um, that night. But. August, yeah, I'm going to, well, August I'm commuting between France and Kansas shows because I'm doing a teaching thing with my wife in France. She, she, my wife's a violinist in New York Philharmonic. And then we're doing a vacation in Nice. But I'm flying back and forth to do Kansas dates. So it's oh my wow. god, that, that's rock star right there. That is rock star. What's in your What's in your rider, Joe? And your And when you arrive from the airplane, is there like you know M&Ms and uh, <laughs> 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 no sleep? Just sleep. It's about that's the only thing on my rider. Nothing Nothing crazy. Um, yeah. Oh, before I forget, there's two show Stratospheria shows I'd like to plug. That's oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm still, we're still going to book some shows when I'm in town between Kansas dates. I still want to keep the band going as much as I can. Um, so September 30th, we're playing at Kennet Flash. We're what? Doing... Yes. I That's live right. ten minutes from there. So Joe. come. It's a double bill. We're we're playing with a band called We Came from Space. What? You That's love Hugh Bauer. Hugh Bauer. We love Hugh Bauer. Bill is actually kind of the fifth member of the band. We've added him on keyboards. He plays all over the new record, and he joins us on stage whenever possible. So what, we're what date is this? So September 30th at Kennet Flash, Stratospherius, and we came from space. Wow. we gotta, we got to talk to Hugh Bauer again. That is exciting. I will, I'll be there. And then September 28th, same thing at Debonair Music Hall in Teaneck, New Jersey. That's Thursday. Mm. That is fantastic. I can make it. That is fantastic. I'm not on call. That is so fucking awesome. R remind me and I'll put you on the guest list. <laughs> I, I'll write it down now. Sweet. Oh, that's great. So that's, I don't know that's if they a have a guest list at, at, at Ken Flash. If Ken, if Ken and I can't sneak into a show at the Ken Flash, if we can't sneak backstage, we, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, this is great. That's absolutely okay. amazing. That's really exciting. All right, cool. Unfortunately, we don't get to play that much, but when we do, we try to make it an event. Yeah, yeah. Well, that settles it. We finally get to see we came from space, see? Yeah. So That's... do we. I've never seen him. <laughs> <laughs> we, so, yes, yeah, so we caught up with Bill Hubauer, I think, uh, the year of the pandemic, maybe, or maybe it was just the year after, right, when they released their... Uh, that EP um, before their, their most recent album. And I got connected from him through a mutual friend. And, you know, we reached out because of his, you know, we came from space and from, and from his experience with Neil Morse. And, and um, well, it just, you know, it was one of those things kind of reached out to him for a Neil, Mor Neil Morse band stuff and learned about we came from space and just have been blown away by it. Similarly to, at least for me, you know, you know, knowing that we were going to talk to you, knowing the Kansas connection, and knowing the Dave Kersner connection, but then learning all about Stratospherius, which has been fantastic for me. So I'm excited about that show. Thanks. And I, I met 
Jason introduced me to Bill when I went to see the uh, Similitude of a Dream tour. Oh, wow. Uh, ballroom. And we'd stayed in touch, and, and I decided we, we haven't used keyboards on our music in years, and I decided let's fix things up. You know, let's add a keyboard to the new stuff. And he, first song he recorded with us was Imposter, which is the first single from our upcoming album. And it, I think when you add keyboard, it starts to sound Kansas-y, I guess. And huh. <laughs> similar instrumentation. And that's the song that Kansas picked up on, ironically enough. Huh. That's the song I sent them when, cool. you know, when they were asking if I'd be interested. Wow. So, oh, fantastic. Um, um, but, but, you know, at this point, I can't complain if anyone compares the band to Kansas. That's kind of going yeah. to happen, I guess. Anytime I win. <laughs> Is there a is and you know is there a do you notice a bump right touring with Kansas the folks that you know are are uh, the the prog community are you are you seeing that bleeding over into your your catalog are you seeing increased streams increased orders etc. Yes yes I mean I I can't say like huge huge numbers but I did see a bump I pretty steady Bandcamp sales every every week I come back from a show I see some Bandcamp orders. Awesome, and, just, and more streams, and you know, more more followers. So it all continues to, to grow. That's awesome. That it's is great. exciting. It's amazing. It's you know, a, 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 I'm sure the people that enjoy Kansas music would, would like Stratospheres. There's a lot of. I mean, it's the same audience. It's it's prog. You know. We may have come to the time of the show, Joe, uh, especially as you being one of our contemporaries, where. Oh no. Um, <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables and and ask you about your feelings about Star Wars. Oh, uh, well, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know how qualified I am to answer these questions. Are you? I mean, you grew up in the '70s. Are you? Are you a Star Wars fan overall? I'm a big Star Wars fan. I saw the first movie like 26 times. Awesome. And, You're you qualified. Know, grew up with the first trilogy, but I I kind of started losing it with all the Mandalorians and then all the spinoff shows. I just can't. I don't have the time. I can't. It's too many shows, man. Can't keep track, and I have opinions. But okay, I'll shut up now. Anyway, <laughs> well, Dave Kersner's got me watching cartoons of Star Wars now. Um, <laughs> oh, he's, he's he's diehard. Yeah, he's like yes. So so okay. So Mandalorian season one, yeah or nay? He says he doesn't have time to watch it, man. Well, I saw season one. I'm about halfway through season two, uh, and then I stopped because I just got distracted. My kids weren't into it as much, and I, I thought the writing was good. I liked Mandalorian. Uh, you could, you know, you could milk this forever. I mean, yeah. I haven't watched the Boba Fett show. I watched the Obi Wan mm -hmm. show, and I wasn't sure. I was wasn't crazy about it. Fair. We're not going to argue that. Have you tried Andor yet? Not yet. I don't know oh. if I will. <laughs> uh, that would be highly recommended by the members of the Palaver. Uh, Okay. It, it's it's okay. A, it's in a league of its own, I think. There. Check it out. Look, I'm I'm open. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's cool, I guess. <laughs> I have strong feelings about it either way. You know, I was a little disappointed in the, the way the, the you know the episode nine and it kind of was a downer for me. I didn't like the way they, they finished the series. Yeah. Really finished because I guess they're making more movies. All right. It seems like we we're we're. Pretty much tracking right with you, I'd say. Yep. I'd say with your with your opinions. So. Would you agree? I mean, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think anything you have said would be considered controversial in this group. Yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest. What I thought about the biggest thing missing. You know, in the last three movies, none of those characters had personality. Han Solo had attitude, and he was snarky and funny, and there's no characters like that. And there was comedy, and there was you kind of felt an endearment to, to someone like that, you know. Everybody's just there's no irony. Everybody's just kind of goody two shoes or very one dimensional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed, I felt that way about like Ray and all the all the new character, a lot of the new characters they created. Yep. You know? you miss the yeah. You need more snark to make make and more you know attitude. <laughs> you know what I mean. I like it. The, the the magical thing is, is you've been able to sum that all up in a matter of minutes. Where we we've probably recorded about twenty hours of podcast on it. Uh, so <laughs> glad, glad I could uh, 
tribute, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a- absolutely. That was perfect. Now we have uh, we have blown past your forty five minute time limit just a little bit, Joe. So okay. um, you want me to hang out with him a little bit? I'm leaving tomorrow. So. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't want to. We don't want to keep you from other things. Certainly not Dave's uh, music. So I would say at this point, um, Paul and Ken, any closing thoughts for Joe before we let him get back to uh, to helping out uh, our friend uh, Dave Kersner? Uh, just for me, Joe. Thanks for your time tonight. I'm really excited to see you in um, both in Kennett Square and in uh, in New Jersey for Prog Stock. So thanks for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you guys, and, and thanks for having me on the show. Excellent. I'm glad this came together. I've, I've been thinking about this probably since uh, 2019, so yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for making the time tonight, Joe. Yeah, really, really appreciate that, and uh, again, the the palaver will be in full force at Prague Stock for, uh, for your performances, so very much look forward to that. Unfortunately, I'm in Texas, so I will not be at the Kennet Flash uh, September 30th. Um, I hope you can make it to one of the Texas Kansas shows. Yeah, I was trying to look at when the Texas Kansas shows are. They're later this year, but I, I I haven't figured that out yet. So I definitely I definitely want to go. Um, Kansas has a very special place in my family's uh, music history, so I, I really need to go. Beyond the fact that I want to see them, I saw them you know back when I was really young, and it you know it just. If we're going to do a full segment on Kansas, I think I need to go. We're in Kansas. We're in Texas. Are you? We're in Kansas. Are you? Um, I'm in mostly in Dallas, Fort Worth, but I, I actually I spend part of my time in College Station, so I'm I can easily access Austin or Houston as well. We're, we're playing Houston, Sugar Hill, I think. Sugarland. Sugarland, excuse me. Um, yeah. October twentieth or twenty first, one of those dates. Okay. I thought it was something like that. I just I'll have to uh, I'll have to dig up those tickets. Um, yeah, I definitely want to uh, definitely want to check it out. So if I get tickets, I'll uh, I'll just give you a shout out. You'll know that I'm there. Awesome. Cool. All right, Joe. Best of luck with uh, all your endeavors. You're a very very busy man. Congratulations on your anniversary, and hope your you know the rest of your summer goes swimmingly. And we look forward to you know interacting with you further down the road, man. Likewise. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Threads. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time. Thanks for listening. It's amazing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't make recording in progress. Backup recording in progress. (coughs) All right. So nothing but professional here, Joe. (laughs) Nothing but professional. And, and, and this is your 24th year married to your wife. Congratulations, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. What more romantic way to celebrate it than to spend it with you guys? Seriously. I'm-
Well, you you did give us a little bit of crisis of conscience when when this news was delivered to us today. <laughs> it was like, wait, and he's going to talk to us. <laughs> well, 